bringing to life the souls of the past that until now have been lost to history. Talking Heart Island is a half-hour weekly podcast that explores the history of Heart Island, America's largest mass graveyard. Heart Island has been used as New York City's Potter's Field since 1869. It is estimated there are over one million people buried there. Because of recent advances in DNA and fingerprint technology, the identities of some of these previously forgotten and anonymous people have been revealed. The results are truly shocking. Talking Heart Island will interview a special guest each week, selected from an extraordinary assembly of scholars, authors, and scientists in the fields of history, law, medicine, and the arts, as we unravel a secret kept hidden for 150 years. So welcome to Talking Heart Island. And now, here is our host, investigative history writer Michael T. Keene. Thank you very much, Norma Jean. And this is Michael Keene, and we are Talking Heart Island. Today's episode is brought to us by Andy Calabrese, musician. Andy is located in the old pickle factory in Pittsburgh, New York, and Simply New York, Marketplace and Gifts. They're located in the Sea Breeze section of Rochester, New York, supporting New York's small businesses for over 10 years. Put your money where your house is. Support local. Shop simply. And one more quick thing before we begin. We have been asked, how can you listen to previous episodes of the Talking Heart Island podcast? And you may do so by simply logging on to our website, michaeltkeen.com. Okay, so now on to today's episode. By 1822, New York City was facing an unprecedented crisis at an unprecedented speed. Existing accommodations in the city's burial grounds could not keep up with the staggering number of people dying. Other grounds in the city faced the same problem. Among them were the North Dutch Church and St. Paul's, all within a close radius to Trinity Church. The solution to the burial dilemma would, of course, become the purchase of Hart Island in 1869. And now join us as Andrew Berman, the executive director of the Greenwich Village Society for Historic Preservation, takes us on a tour of some of Greenwich Village's more notable cemeteries and shares with us other iconic landmarks of New York City. And welcome to Talking Heart Island, Mr. Berman. I had a question for you right out of the box. I understand you're a lifelong New Yorker, born mm-hmm. in the Bronx. Now, what, That's right. brought you, what brought you all the way over to Greenwich Village? <laughs> um, well, uh, like most uh, New Yorkers, the village is certainly someplace I spent time in uh, growing up. Um, I had uh, friends who lived here. I went to a 
uh, citywide school, the Bronx High School of Science. So, uh, you know, I had uh, classmates from all over the city um, and, uh, you know, like people across New York City and the country and the globe, it's always been a, a special place to me with such an incredibly rich uh, history. So uh, I've been here at uh, GVSHP for uh, 17 years and for about nine years before that in a different capacity, I was doing work, some work in Greenwich Village and other uh, nearby neighborhoods as well. Right. Um, and I also understand that prior to this, that you worked in the New York State Senate and the New York City City Council. Is that correct? That's right. So the uh, person who I worked for, uh, Tom Duane, who was uh, uh, first elected to the city council and then the state senate, represented uh, Greenwich Village, the East Village, Chelsea, and several other uh, surrounding neighborhoods uh, in the lower half of Manhattan. So I was doing uh, community work for him in those neighborhoods for uh, uh, about nine years before I started here at uh, what we now call Village Preservation. Right. And uh, one other question, I just have to get out of the way before we start talking about, you know, what you do and and basically taking us on a tour of the village is that I understand at one point you were uh, voted one of the 100 most powerful people in real estate. Uh, yes. Tell us about uh, that. <laughs> uh, sure. Uh, I believe that was the uh, observer one year. I was named to their list of the 100 most powerful people uh, in real estate, uh, not uh, a title I'm uh, often given, uh, but it was <laughs> nice to be one of the few uh, preservationists as opposed to developers or bankers or uh, builders who was on who are on that list. Uh, you know, the organization that I've had the privilege to run for the last 17 years definitely has an impact on how uh, things get built or preserved or changed um, in our neighborhoods. Um, so I'm glad that we've been able to have that uh, influence uh, on the process. Right. You know, the uh, I know there's those who are wondering what Greenwich Village necessarily has to do with Hart Island. But mm -hmm. as it turns out, I mean, the village, the east, lower east side, you know, as you know, was the area where many uh, waves of immigrants uh, came. And certainly when we look at the history of Hart Island and who ended up being buried there, it included, of course, many of the poor. And as mm -hmm. these successive generation of immigrants came, uh, they were part of the group that, quote unquote, fed Hard Island. The, um, but in your capacity as the executive director of the uh, Greenwich Village Society for Historic Preservation, what, what can you tell us about not only the cemeteries, which, of course, have more of a direct connection with Hard Island, but just some of the other iconic landmarks of the village? Uh, and, you know, start wherever you want. This is your baby. You, you tell us what we need to know. Sure. Um, well, uh, you know, there's a, a almost an embarrassment of riches in that regard, but I'll, I'll start with one of the more iconic sites, which is uh, Washington Square Park, mm -hmm. uh, which in connection to what you were mentioning before, of course, was originally a potter's field um, and was in the uh, 1820s um, converted into a parade grounds. Uh, which then became uh, made it a very prestigious 
um, spot to build what were some of the grandest houses um, in Greenwich Village uh, around its edges. Um, and, uh, you know, so interestingly, and, that, and it, it's not the only site um, in Greenwich Village or the East Village that um, uh, was once a burial ground and now serves a, a very different purpose. Um, but uh, obviously over the years, it's had many other lives. Um, you know, certainly it's been a place of, uh, of protest, of of cultural gatherings, of, of musicians, um, of battles against Robert Moses, who wanted to run a highway through the park. And of course, its uh, sort of its central feature is the uh, arch, which memorialized the 100th anniversary of the um, uh, swearing in of uh, George Washington as president of the United States, which people often forget took place in New York City because New York was the capital of the of the young nation um, at the time. Um, so that's certainly a, a very central uh, landmark that's near and dear to our hearts. Uh, you know, uh, another place that uh, we often um, point to is what's now the Jefferson Market Library, uh, which is an incredibly um, charming and kind of quixotic um, late 19th century uh, building that looks like it's out of a a uh, children's fairy tale and appropriately now s serves as a library that largely um, serves children, um, but which was originally built as a uh, courthouse um, in the 19th century. And some of the uh, most famous um, trials uh, uh, took place there during the time that it, it operated until the mid 20th century. And some of the most famous criminals of the time were brought there, uh, you know, whether it was Mae West or what was called uh, when she was uh, uh, um, arrested on obscenity charges for her play Sex on Broadway, um, or what was called the trial of the century at the time um, for the murder of uh, Stanford White. Um, that trial took place mm -hmm. uh, there. Um, and one of the great preservation battles um, of New York and our neighborhood's history was to uh, preserve that building um, and uh, keep it from being demolished that was, as was planned in the mid 20th century when it was deemed obsolete for um, its prior uh, purposes. And, and it was reimagined as a, as a central library for the neighborhood, which it's uh, served as for over uh, 50 years now. Um, and this, uh, these kind of layers of history and these ongoing efforts to, to preserve and reuse um, great old pieces of the neighborhood are really central to the um, to the DNA of uh, Greenwich Village and what makes it um, such a unique and wonderful community and why so many people um, from all across the not only the city, but the country and the world uh, come to, to visit it all the time. The uh, do you live in the, in the village? Uh, I live a little bit uh, north of Greenwich Village in Hell's Kitchen, uh, another wonderful neighborhood with a oh, tell us a, about a Hell's rich... Kitchen. <laughs> Go ahead. Sure. Well, well, Hell's Kitchen's a, a great neighborhood, uh, most uh, strongly associated with um, um, Irish stock workers and Irish gangs in the 19th and 20th century. It's now uh, a, a much more upscale neighborhood than it was then. Um, I've been living there for almost 30 years. Um, so I've certainly seen it change a lot since I uh, moved in. Um, probably a little more similar in some ways to the East Village and the Lower East Side in that it was a, a much more of a neighborhood that was built for um, immigrants in the working class um, located just west of uh, Times Square. Um, it's a really wonderful, vital neighborhood that's uh, 
interestingly was uh, got the name Hell's Kitchen because it was once uh, considered the worst uh, and most dangerous neighborhood in, in New York City. Um, and the, the name meant that it was, uh, uh, you know, even hotter than hell um, in terms of the, uh, the heat, the, um, the danger. Um, uh, the illicit activities that were going on there. Um, but uh, in more recent years, it's become a place that's known for its incredible variety of, of restaurants and food places. So the name has kind of taken on a, a different connotation and meaning um, uh, more recently. Um, but it's a great neighborhood. And uh, like Greenwich Village, it's fought very hard over the years to preserve and protect its character, which as you can imagine being located literally on the edge of Times Square, there's a tremendous pressure on it for change. Uh, Greenwich Village protected itself um, through landmark designation in the 1960s, and Hell's Kitchen uh, protected itself in the 1970s through a very uh, restrictive uh, set of uh, zoning protections uh, for the neighborhood that have kept it um, still predominantly low rise and still uh, a remarkable number of those 19th and early 20th century uh, tenements still form the, the housing in the neighborhood. You know, in terms of the housing in the neighborhood, and, and I'm sure you have seen this. I mean, we go back to certainly the 19th century and the early part of the 20th century. The uh, the area, whether it's Hell's Kitchen or loosely defined as Five Points, and of course the Lower East Side was where the poor lived. Today, it's a slightly different situation there, isn't it? Can you give us a sense of what the real estate market is like now in that area? Sure. Uh, well, it's it's certainly dramatically um, uh, uh, stronger and more desirable than it was in the not too distant past. Although certainly for a neighborhood like uh, Greenwich Village, the um, you know its history is one of of kind of ups and downs. Uh, and part of the charm of Greenwich Village um, over the years was that it was a place that had some of these wonderful old houses that were built for um, the middle or upper middle class or very well to do that had come to be um, uh, uh, kind of shabby or, or run down or these sort of anachronistic holdouts in what had become a more uh, working class and immigrant neighborhood. Um, and that was kind of part of the of the charm. So, uh, you know, the fact that it is now a much wealthier place is not unprecedented in its history, but obviously a big part of its history was about the time uh, period when it was a much more affordable place um, and therefore a place that um, uh, a lot of artists and writers and creative types and people who wanted to live a more unconventional lifestyle uh, were drawn to um, and um, uh, you know, that's still, I'd say, very much a part of the cultural uh, identity of the neighborhood. But now you're much more likely to find somebody who's um, uh, incredibly um, successful in the uh, arena of the arts or culture or business um, living there as opposed to a, a first time artist uh, uh, just starting out. Um, but if you look at the literature uh, at as much as a hundred years ago or more, you can see that gentrification process beginning um, in Greenwich Village and uh, very much connected to um, the sort of artistic identity of the neighborhood and that being used as a way to um, uh, entice a more, uh, a somewhat more moneyed uh, group of people to um, uh, come into the neighborhood um, and to, um, uh, 
uh, partake in the the unique kind of appeal um, that this very culturally vital neighborhood had. Right. Um, let's dive, so to speak, uh, into the cemeteries of, of, of Greenwich Village. You had mentioned Washington Square Park as being one of the original potter's fields of New York. What other cemeteries uh, are located in Greenwich Village that we might like to know something more about? Sure. Well, there's uh, two burial grounds that are that are still exist as burial grounds. And by the way, Washington Square ha- still has literally thousands of bodies uh, under there. So while it no longer functions as a uh, cemetery, in a sense, uh, it still is. Um, but uh, w- uh, our offices are actually located right next to one of the two still existent uh, barrow grounds. One of them is the barrow ground of uh, St. Mark's Church uh, in the East Village. Uh, it was the church that exists there today. The oldest part of it dates to 1799, but it's the uh, oldest site of continuous religious worship uh, in New York City because it's built on the site of uh, uh, the Dutch governor Peter Stuyvesant's uh, chapel. Uh, which was built here in the 1660s. Um, and the burial grounds uh, around the church, our offices are located in the uh, former rectory of the church and still owned by the church. Um, surrounding uh, the the church has the um, uh, crypts. Um, it's not actually a, a cemetery that the people are entombed of uh, uh, Americans going back to the um, uh, the late 1700s, um, a lot of prominent uh, uh, early Americans who were buried here, um, and um, uh, it still very much the headstones are still there. Um, uh, part of it is regularly open to the public; other parts um, only occasionally open to the public, but still viewable through the fence. Um, so uh, it's really a, a pretty incredible and unique space. And the other uh, cemetery. Um, located in uh, Greenwich Village is the um, second um, cemetery of the Spanish and Portuguese uh, synagogue, Sharif Israel, which is located on West 11th Street between 5th and 6th Avenues. It's called the second, but it's actually the the third cemetery of what is the uh, uh, what was once the uh, first and only synagogue um, uh, in uh, New York, uh, which was made up of uh, refugees largely from uh, Brazil, so Sephardic Jews um, who had uh, escaped uh, Brazil, uh, Dutch Brazil, when it was taken over by the Portuguese. The Dutch were more tolerant to uh, Jews and other uh, people of different religions uh, than the Portuguese were, and they um, escaped to New York and established uh, what was the first uh, synagogue in New York. their first cemetery was located somewhere in, in the lower tip of Manhattan. Nobody uh, knows exactly where the location was anymore. Um, the, it was replaced by uh, a second cemetery, which, since it's the only one that still survives, is now called the, the first uh, cemetery, which is uh, at the edge of uh, uh, Chinatown. Um, it's still there. It's it's landmarked um, uh, on Bayard Street. Uh, this is the second cemetery. And that first cemetery was uh, uh, chopped up at one point as the city grew. So some of the bodies that are in this first cemetery on West 11th Street were actually moved from that first cemetery um, in lower Manhattan. Um, And the cemetery in Greenwich Village, the second cemetery, 
was active from 1820 uh, to the mid-18th century when the third and final cemetery was open uh, just a little bit north of Greenwich Village on 21st Street, and that one uh, does still exist. Um, and the uh, congregation attached to it um, still exists, also in a landmark building on the Upper West Side, the Sharif Israel at 70th and uh, uh, Central Park West. Um, so we do actually have these two places that um, are still uh, 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 places of burial, albeit no no new burials there in a very long time. Um, actually, St. Mark's did make an exception a few years ago when a, a beloved uh, local politician, uh, Miriam Friedlander, died. She was uh, interred there. Uh, but in general, there have been no uh, internments uh, since the 1950s. But then we have also we also have things like J.J. Walker Park, uh, which was a uh, cemetery in the uh, uh, 19th century. And even what used to be called the uh, Trump Soho Hotel, um, which changed its, its name about a year ago when the uh, controlling interest was sold. And now it's known as the Dominic, uh, was built on the site of a uh, Somewhat ironically, an abolitionist uh, ch uh, churches, uh, 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 actually a racially integrated abolitionist church from the 19th century's um, uh, burial ground, which had been long forgotten, paved over um, and, tur and uh, turned into a parking lot uh, for uh, many, many years and then was uh, uh, bought in the early 2000s and uh, developed as the uh, Trump Soho. Um, when they started digging, uh, they hit human remains, um, and it was discovered that this was the long-forgotten um, uh, burial ground of the Spring Street Presbyterian Church. You know, the, uh, the village has a wonderful history, obviously, going back hundreds of years. Um, can you give us a sense of what your current preservation activities are? Are there certain landmarks, uh, so on, that perhaps have fallen uh, in, on hard times or what have you that uh, you're now involved in and in trying to resurrect? Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. You know, we, uh, given the um, desirability of these neighborhoods, uh, it's rarer that the issue is that they've fallen on hard times. It's more uh, common that the issue is somebody wants to tear them down to build something bigger and shinier and, and, right. uh, uh, fancier. Um, so uh, a lot of what we do is advocating for uh, landmark and zoning protections for the neighborhood to help preserve the historic architecture and to make sure that new development is, is in scale and in character for the neighborhood. And a lot of people uh, assume that all of Greenwich Village enjoys those uh, landmark protections. But uh, unfortunately, from our perspective, that's that's not the case. Um, a significant chunk of the neighborhood uh, is not uh, landmarked. And for those who are familiar with the neighborhood, for instance, the area around University Place and Broadway, um, the 14th Street Corridor and just below there, the uh, um, Greenwich Village waterfront. Um, and most, about 75% of the East Village uh, is also not landmarked. So uh, in those non-landmarked areas, there is uh, absolutely nothing to prevent somebody from uh, uh, demolishing a building, regardless of how historically significant it may or may not be. Um, and so we both have long-term campaigns to try to extend landmark protections to historic areas of the neighborhood so that they do enjoy that level of protection. And then uh, when individual sites are uh, threatened, we do swing into action to try to um, save them. And 
One example is uh, uh, two years ago, about a year and a half ago, we were able to save um, a pair of 1866 uh, loft buildings uh, on Broadway between uh, just south of Union Square from planned uh, demolition and replacement with a 300 foot tall um, office tower um, that had in the 1960s um, served as the home and studio of Willem de Koenig, um, as well as a, a, a really incredible assortment of mid 20th century um, art world figures. Um, and this history had been largely uh, forgotten um, and we were able to um, exhume it um, and uh, call attention to it when the buildings uh, were threatened. So, um, you know, as with burial grounds and other things, it's amazing, uh, especially in the lower part of New York, given um, uh, how much has gone on here when you scratch the surface, um, the level of history um, that can be found. Um, you know, nobody really knew or remembered that these buildings a mere 50 or so years ago were more or less the, the center of the New York art world. Um, and in similar ways, people uh, don't realize that the uh, um, the park that they go to, the uh, um, the building that they live in, the hotel that they're staying in, uh, the school that they attend may be built on top of uh, what was once a burial ground. Right. Amazing. In, in the uh, roughly two minutes that we have left, tell us, how is the Greenwich Village Society for Historic Preservation organized? Are you a New York City agency? Are you a private organization? Mm -hmm. We're a, a 501c3 nonprofit uh, organization. We um, function uh, largely based upon contributions from uh, individuals. Uh, we get a little bit of, uh, of uh, uh, government grant money, but mostly it's uh, just people um, who support the work that we do. And we've been around since uh, 1980. We're a membership-based organization. Um, and uh, we work very hard to try to preserve, document, and celebrate the architectural and cultural history of Greenwich Village, the East Village, and NoHo, which are three uh, amazing and uh, interconnected historic neighborhoods in uh, in Lower Manhattan. Um, and uh, you know, we do everything from the type of advocacy that I described before to uh, educational programs for everything from kids to adults to real estate professionals. Um, and we also provide a ton of. Uh, uh, resources on our website, interactive maps, um, research documents that, um, you know, tell and engage people around the, the history of these neighborhoods. And, you know, just we do about a, a hundred programs a year, walking tours, lectures, book talks, um, uh, things of that nature to uh, give people a, an appreciation of the, uh, whether it's the ethnic heritage or the literary history or the incredible architecture uh, of the neighborhood. And uh, uh, given how incredibly varied um, and rich that history is, we never run out of, uh, of topics to, uh, to focus on and to work with. I, I bet. So uh, how uh, could listeners uh, get in touch with you to learn about what you're doing and, and possibly also uh, how they could go about donating to your organization? Sure. Well, to get involved with any aspect of what I described, uh, the easiest way is just to go to our website, which is gvshp.org. So that's Greenwich Village Society 
for historicpreservation.org. Um, and you'll find all of the information there, whether it's to join our email list, become a member, um, come to a program, utilize some of the resources that we uh, provide, find out about um, issues or battles going on in the neighborhood. And of course, all of our contact information is located in there uh, as well. Um, so whether you're interested in becoming a member or just want to find out a little bit more about the history and present day of these neighborhoods, it's really a great resources, a great resource. So uh, definitely check it out, gbshp.org. Uh, um, and, uh, you know, certainly feel free to reach out to us by email or by phone if you ever have questions or there's things going on in the neighborhood that you want to find out more about. Super, Andrew. And again, I want to thank you very much for being a guest on Talking Heart Island. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Hi, this is Norma Jean. I wanted to take a moment to remind you, in order to receive updates or news about upcoming episodes of Talking Heart Island, simply go to the subscribe page on our website located at www.michaeltkeen.com and enter your email address. If you have any questions, about the podcast itself, or simply wish to contact any team members for book inquiries, voiceovers, website or graphics design, use our contact page, also found at www.michaeltkeen.com. And if you're enjoying the show and would like to give us a review, please do so at iTunes. We would greatly appreciate it. So until next week, this is Norma Jean. And we're Talking Heart Island.